Welcome to Look at My Records. This is episode 131. For today's edition, I had the opportunity to chat with Leveda, an incredible up-and-coming shoegaze band from the capital region of New York State. The band just released their debut album, What Happens After, and it's a sonic roller coaster of swirling guitar fuzz, serene melodies, and lyrics that confront our uncertain future. In the interview, we talked all about how principal members Jake Brooks and Ali Genovich initially met while playing together in a previous project, the apocalyptic themes on what happens after, recording the album at Hook and Fade Studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn with producer Dylan Skye, and how their background as classical musicians has influenced their songwriting. We'll dive into the interview right after the jump. My friend, collaborator, and Look at My Records contributor, Zach Romano, joined me for this interview. Check out his great in-depth review of what happens after on the Look at My Records website. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look at My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Remember to like, rate, and subscribe on your platform of choice and check out the Look at My Records website where you can find reviews, premieres, interviews, and more. As I previously mentioned, a great in-depth review of what happens after Leveda's awesome new album by Zach Romano. All right, so I'm here with Allie. Jake and Zach is also here as well. Welcome, everyone. Uh, just to dive right in, how are you guys doing? It's a very weird time for musicians. You had a tour booked, a big tour booked. I actually just realized, looking through my emails, I think you were going to play a showcase I was involved in putting on at South by Southwest, too. But so totally disappointing that all of that stuff was canceled because of COVID. What have you guys been doing in the last few months? You've been doing live sets, things like that. Have you been writing new music, even though, you know, you just put out an album? It's definitely been a strange couple of months. Neither of us are working our day jobs. Uh, we're both, uh, you know... Non-essential. Non-essential, yes. Um, but, you know, we're still working on the album promotion leading up to the album and just everything that kind of went into the release. And, and recording demos. And yeah, yeah, we've been recording demos. We've just actually started to kind of play with our band again. Um, like, literally the other day. It was like the first time we, all four of us, were kind of in the room together. So, um, which was exciting. Nice. What, what is your band setup? Like, what's your what's your live show setup? So Jake and I both play guitar and sing, and sometimes Jake does some keys, and then we have a drummer who also uh, uses triggers and um, a drum pad for like any additional sounds, and then um, a bass player, and then we also have playbacks. So it's kind of a pretty wild, wild uh, setup. It takes a while to set up. It's sometimes. big. We were getting it down. We were getting we were getting really good. Now we're out of practice. <laughs> it's okay. Next year, we'll all be enjoying Leveda live. I'm sure. I do want to talk a little bit about how you, Allie, and Jake started playing music together. I know you're in a band called Lucy, based in your hometown of Saratoga Springs, 
And then while you were in that project, the two of you started collaborating separately. What prompted that? What was it about uh, the two of you that one of you or the other one thought, hey, I really like what this person is doing. I think we could make something interesting together. We were kind of in like a, a toxic, um, not with our bandmate, not with our previous bandmates, but we were in a toxic relationship with our management. We had management, I like to put quotes on management wasn't really management <laughs> but um we Felt had like it was at the time because we were kids yeah so it was we had that and it started off pretty good and then it just very quickly kind of shit hit the fan and we realized things that they were that they said they were gonna do they weren't doing and took forever for our ep to kind of ever amount to anything and we didn't know it, but we had a little bit of like the rage kind of bubbling and a lot of resentment, a lot of resentment, but also trying to like, I was always trying to tell myself like, oh, this is normal. This is what happens in the industry. Like, just let them kind of like take you like they're going to get us to a place and just trust them. Even though I was like, I don't trust them at all. Yeah. Communication was really bad. Expectations were given to us and then they weren't followed through with we kind of connected on that. I mean, our, our other bandmates came around like eventually and we're like, yeah, you know, these people aren't the best to work with. But Jake and I kind of were the ones that the light bulb went off a little sooner and we were like, this isn't good. So I think that kind of like so definitely just, inspired yeah. like a lot of the songs that we were writing because we felt like the songs from that project were just trampled on by our management and because he was also our producer yeah so he kind of like just like took the music and was like this is what you need to do which you know artist ever wants to yeah know that so and also I, I thought the album was gonna hit a certain like point of just like sound quality but it just never made it there um and we were already like too deep in the, like the expenditure of the record to really finish it that was like a pretty big disappointment and also the songs were so old at that point like i had definitely grown as a like lyricist and alley as well and we wanted to kind of write about stuff that was a little more important to us at the time so that being more like about the apocalypse and stuff <laughs> important very important. More, less about like heartbreak more about i mean there's a couple songs about love and stuff on the album of course but um we we really kind of wanted to put our energy into something we were more passionate about and that's what levada became that's that's cool so it seems like you guys bonded you kind of commiserating together then bonded on a mindset of what you wanted to do with music next. Was there any overlap period where you were kind of writing like back pocket songs and keeping them kind of on the down low while still going through the motions with the album or was it pretty separate? Oh yeah. Yeah, you called it. You called it, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, but there was like a moment we were sitting in a bar <laughs> with our with our band and our producer was like so when are you gonna tell me about this cute little side project <laughs> and we were like oh never like nice yeah it seems like it was good that you had that experience even though it was a bad experience because now you know what you want going forward 
Yeah, definitely. And actually, with that being said, um, we met the producer for Leveda through the previous producer for Lucy. Yeah,、um, we he、went. worked at the studio. He was like the assistant engineer at、um, Mission Sound, and、um, we we recorded a huge bulk and produced a huge bulk of his songs for Leveda. Pretty much all of them with、uh, Dylan. At, not at Mission Sound though. We recorded the most of the Leveda record at Hook and Fade、mm-hmm. Studios in Bushwick. Bushwick, Brooklyn. Very cool. I thought it was really interesting. What it seemed like was a big turning point for this project was when that Polish DJ reached out to you to do a remix of your song. Uh, if only. I'm curious, like, what was going through your head when this Polish DJ reached out to you out of the blue and just said, "Hey, I want to remix your song." I was、uh, like, I got a message like on my personal Facebook, and it was in like broken English, and I was like, I don't know, like, how legit this is. <laughs> <Yeah> . The <laughs>、uh- <laughs> song had only been on SoundCloud under Jake Bro. Brooks and Ali Genovich, or Ali Genovich and Jake Brooks, like that was the artist name on SoundCloud. It had like a thousand listens, and this、uh, random guy from Poland just sent Ali a message. Somehow found it. Oh, I think he found it because、um, the song was posted on like YouTube, on like by Sleep Music or something, and it got like a good amount of views on that. But we didn't even know. We, we didn't even. We know. didn't even know that it was.、Uh... Posted, so we just were. I was in. I was like, I don't know how this person found it. It's only on SoundCloud, and we had like like eighty followers, maybe not even. So we were like, sure,、yeah. go for it. <laughs> they were shopping it like around to labels, like after you know they sent us a couple revisions of the of the remix, and after we were like, cool, like this is good. I like it. They were shopping it around and. They were they were just saying like really like kind of crazy things. They were like, yeah, we think like like Sony's gonna buy like buy this, and we were just like, go、What? for it. Like I was like, sure, <laughs> if you're gonna do all the work. Like I was just we were just you know a whole ocean away just chilling, and he was like, oh yeah, this this label in the Netherlands is gonna put the song out and. Here's the contract and get a lawyer.、Yeah. And we were like, okay. And, and then like, we should finish our album. <laughs> and then we were like, this this could maybe get some plays. So we want we we knew we wanted to put out something very shortly after that more accurately represented like what we were actually doing. Yeah, it was kind of strange, but I think it was a, a good thing. <laughs> we're definitely very much more proud of you know the album, but、yeah. it, it's still. It's still a very cool thing that we were a part of. Very interesting, kind of weird thing that we were a part of. And I know initially you guys started collaborating was kind of more of a bedroom pop, kind of minimalist sounding type of thing. What prompted you to evolve your sound into this more really dense, big sounding shoegaze post rock type of sound that's on the record? It was. Kind of a combination of things, I think. I, at the time, it was like, you know, just the two of us playing together and just trying to record. So we didn't really. We were like, we don't need a band or anything. Like we weren't even thinking about live shows. So I feel like at first, no brainer, it should just be like an acoustic project and very minimalistic because there's only two of us and that's kind of what we have to work with. But then I think learning more. 
about logic and learning about just recording was kind of like, oh, we can expand what we're doing. Like, we don't have to be limited to an acoustic duo or something like that. And we also had a few experiences too. Like, we started getting into Slow Dive when they released their new album. Yeah, Such a good album. Self-titled. Yeah, the yeah. self-titled album. So this is I was cool. like, this is really sick. And then we went and we saw Wolf Alice play a show in Montreal. After that, I was like, oh my God, like, that live show was like literally maybe the best live show I've seen still to this date. We were just like, we need to have, if we ever have a live show, like we wanted to, we wanted to like, we wanted it to sound like that. So yeah, so I think that definitely contributed to us kind of wanting to make it sound bigger and just realizing that we would we would be recording and i was like oh i want this but like i don't know sometimes if you're like yeah we're an acoustic duo then then you kind of like shut your brain off and you're like this is what we're doing yeah. um and quickly we both were like nah wait why are we doing that like we should just go full out was there an equipment deficit you had to make up when you decided to shift the sound or did you already have kind of most of the stuff you needed already i feel like um Part of like the way the record ended up sounding was because of the fact we didn't have a drummer at the time. Um, like we, me and Allie, we both had like a bunch of pedals and stuff, and we loved doing that already. Like we were kind of already into that realm of music making because we were kind of doing. I was doing that a little bit with the band that I was in, but I wanted to do it like even more experimentally. And then like when we started doing stuff with Dylan, he also had a lot of pedals. Mm -hmm. So just we plugged all three pedal boards into each other and just saw what we could make and ended up being like a lot of buzz, as people say, buzz saw sounding I, I <laughs> like feel guitar like, tones and stuff. Yeah, I feel like that was pretty much when I like discovered my bloody Valentine too, like right while we were recording with Dylan. That was also like cool, like this band is sick. Like <laughs> let's try to emulate that kind of sound. And Indoor Voices was also another big influence, I mm -hmm. think, which is how we met Jason, the guy that mixed our album as well. And just kind of like just following stuff that we liked in the genre. Mm -hmm. We weren't diehard shoegaze fans, you know, from the get-go. We kind of just stumbled our way into it by listening to bands and saying what bands we didn't like, what bands we did like, and why. And I think that's kind of how we found ourselves like in the shoegaze like sound realm it's, it's still definitely like singer it's not like singer songwriter stuff but it's like the melodies are poppy and like we want like the vocals are still very important to us totally I, that's something that i really really stood out to me was that the vocals definitely play a big role on the album and the lyrics are also well written and convey a significant message uh it seems like there's definitely a theme of anxiety about the future on this album even in the title uh, what message were you trying to convey throughout the record with the songs and what you're speaking about there's definitely large-scale societal critiques but then there's also how it relates to you guys on an individual level as well yeah um it's definitely a big question i feel like um from a lyrical perspective, 
each song kind of has its own brings its own thing to the table i think um but still part of part of the reason why we ended up calling it what happens after is because i think each song kind of fits under that umbrella and can relate to that title in some way or another anxiety <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, I don't know if we ever say that like it's gonna be okay anywhere in the record i don't think we do honestly <laughs> it's funny because i was re-listening it to it today and i was looking for that specifically and i don't think i could find it Ooh, man. Um. <laughs> no but that's okay because it's it's uh that's the reality of the situation and that's yeah it's uh it's a record for the moment in a way that i don't think you really could have foreseen when you were writing it, but it works. Yeah. And I feel like it really has a new meaning applied to the world within the last five months as compared to the world last year or the year before, which was already pretty shitty. <laughs> <It's> true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like we were slowly like, it was like we were slowly starting to realize that too like just with everything that was going on politically and environmentally and and internally both the environment was a really big thing for us like when we first started writing the album i think yeah and, like we were very like I, I feel like you know when all the news was like shit's hitting the fan guys it's getting bad <laughs> you know yeah we've been working on this album for like two years and the very last thing that we did was like finish vocals and uh do the lyrics so i feel like it's probably why it kind of fits with what's going on because we finished it what like yeah, not during covid <laughs> no, no. but um but things were like even closer to getting to that point then i think um but it is funny that it, like it's still kind of like even more so i think it fits now than it did while we were writing it now you are leveda is an oracle <laughs> man i feel like well i mean one one big thing that I, as a lyricist, I think, and I think a lot of songwriters and lyricists feel this way, I love when people can pull their own thing out of lyrics and it's not, there's no definitive meaning. So I think that was a big part too of every song. There's some songs that have more of a direct like thing like, oh, this is based on a personal experience that I had, but even still with writing and like Ghost was that that was based on a personal experience that i had and i still was like i don't really want it to be about that like it is about that but to somebody else like i i don't want it to be about that unless they want it to be <laughs> I, I think a, a huge encompassing theme is why we named it what happens after is just it's like you said is us being sort of concerned about what's happening in you know a year from now what's going to happen two years from now like where things are headed hopefully it'll be good and then our next album will be happy <laughs> oh my god um but yeah um but one thing it's kind of a funny story but of mentioning lucy um i was talking to a guitar player from lucy and he always said like whenever we wrote songs together like the songs would like come true and he said you had to write about the apocalypse you just had <laughs> kind of written about like you know like i get rich or you know something like that <laughs> like, sorry <laughs> speaking of vocals again real quick the use of effects obviously very prominent on a lot of the songs but i notice in particular on better now there's heavy amount of effects on the vocals 
And it seems like that's the only song where it's that heavy on it. What effects did you use on the vocals on that track, and why'd you decide to do that? Um, it was kind of like a happy accident. Um, so I, I don't know if you're familiar. You're probably not, but um, our friend Dylan Sky. Um, he'd produced an album before ours, which um, it, I don't know if you've heard of Pinky, but it's P-Y-N-K-I-E. She, she's a good friend of mine, yes. Yeah, look at my records regular. Yeah, That's he awesome. he produced that album as well. And, uh, you know, Do, like the lo-fi version, is literally just him. When he was mastering it, he just literally pitched it down like three semitones. Yes, that it sounds so cool, too, yeah. And he, so when we were trying to make better now the song work, it was actually three half steps higher than what it was in the final version. It was actually slower. So um, we were like really trying to figure out like what the drum groove was. And we were just not having like any luck. And I was like about to just like give up <laughs> on that song. But then we were like, all right, let's stop using Pro Tools. Let's throw it into Ableton. And then Dylan just like, sped it up and then like tuned it down three semitones like he just threw the whole mix in there like as a stereo file and then i was like oh that's that's it that's the sound and uh the vocals were like so like warbly and like weird sounding because of you know tuning it down so we actually like retracked everything pretty much and we kept some tracks that were warbly and some tracks that weren't. But yeah, it's like, literally just we recorded the vocals like three half steps up, except for Allie's. Um, we yeah, we only did that. We did a little bit of that for years, but mostly yours is just like yeah in real time. For all mine, I just threw it in there, tuned it down, and called it a day. <laughs> like that's the effect <laughs> and like verb and that stuff too. And I doubled it in real time, but that's like what the sound is. And. Dylan Sky, you've mentioned he's had a big influence on the record working with him. What was it like working with him and what influence did he have on the uh, overall sound of the record? He had he had such a big influence honestly. Like we had demos and we kind of knew what direction we wanted to go with them. He I mean, he was super into like Brian Eno. So I think that was a big part of um of what he brought to the table and just his creativity and like his way of kind of being able to he kind of knew when it wasn't working like he would know like if we had an idea like if we were all three of us on the same page like we knew we were like yeah let's just keep going until until we can't go anymore and then we would honestly like end up loving it and if it was kind of like somebody wanted to try something like we were all just like, cool, let's do it. And I think that was a big part of it, just not rushing anything. He definitely was on board with us just kind of like taking our time, but also keeping things moving. Keeping things moving at the same time. Like he was like, yeah, this isn't working. Like, let's try something else. But we never trashed any ideas for this album. All the, all the songs were just songs that we wrote and immediately. Recorded. Yeah, yeah, we didn't have any songs that didn't make it. Didn't make it. It was all pretty much. We only wrote like CND was like the only one that we wrote um, with Dylan. Yeah, we wrote with him, and he's very soundscapey. He has yeah, like his own he, stuff, and it's all just like a one forty-minute song that just like is just 
sound. Yeah. He's he's <laughs> it's crazy. awesome he's though. Awesome. But he's great. Yeah. I, I we want to work with him again. So he's in LA right now, so we'll have to move. But yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned the song CND, which I thought was a really powerful track on the record, mainly because it includes these spoken word excerpts. They're specifically about the destruction of native lands, and they also reference uh, Hiroshima. Where did those excerpts come from, and why did you decide to include them on the song and on the record? So at the time when we were recording, I was taking a post-apocalyptic literature class, which had a pretty big influence on the record as a whole, I think, um, and just the apocalypse themes. I read, I had read Cormac McCarthy's The Road and just like fell in love with it. And my teacher actually showed us this TED talk, just kind of about apocalypse in general. And I was like, wow, like this is so terrible, but true and just the way that kind of it's a glorified thing in society and I showed it to Jake I immediately showed it to him yeah and really resonated we both were just I was like isn't this like just so true and like we both really were like I don't know attached to the message of it and so Jake actually was working on CND without me yeah and headphones the the idea actually started like Ali was you were like seeing Hamilton, I think. Or <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Okay. It's a pretty funny story. Yeah. Jake and, and Dylan like started that idea and we were in the city and my sister was like going to see Hamilton. She was like, do you want to come see Hamilton with me? And I was like, hell yeah. And I was like, bye guys. I'm hell going to yeah. see Hamilton. <laughs> and then I came back and I was like, all right, what'd you guys do? Like I was a little CND showed me that. And she's was like, what is this? What the fuck? <laughs> And then, um, so I had to, we had to like reel it back. Me and Dylan basically just jammed on like a MIDI keyboard on Ableton for like five hours. <laughs> yeah, but um, and then, yeah, and then we all kind of like were working on it. And then a few days later, we had come back from the city, and Jake took the TED talk that we both had. Yeah, li- I have the name watched. of it right here. It's uh, Betsy Hartman Beyond Apocalypse and Back to Earth. It's a great TED talk. Watch it. And he he threw it in there. He threw the TED Talk in there. And I was like, this is great. Like, this is so cool. And then we kind of like snipped it up and we picked certain parts that we liked and... um, Ran it through a tape recorder. Yeah. And then we just... Yeah. And then I was like, sick. (laughs) Yeah, it's sick. It's a nice part of the record. I like it a lot as well. There's a lot of... uh, There's definitely a loud, quiet dynamic on the record. To me, it almost feels like a roller coaster. There's really these big booming moments, and then there's also these quiet, soft, serene moments. How conscious were you of that when you were writing and sequencing the record? Did you kind of want it to play out like that? Yeah, we yeah. definitely did. So we're, we're actually both classical musicians, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, dynamics... For me, that's just something that's so important. Um, and it sucks because in the pop music world and the rock music world, you know, everything is just war. compressed. Yeah. And everything just has to be loud all the time, which I don't really agree with. Doesn't I, sound good. <laughs> no. I, I mean, it sounds good for certain things. Like if you're listening to just like drums, vocals, and like a bass track, you know, then it sounds pretty cool if it's really loud. But. I think most of the time, especially if you're doing like a shoegaze album, like 
I think most shoegaze bands are about the dynamic side of it. The the whole loudness thing was not, it wasn't like we weren't trying to achieve that. We were like, the songs are going to be what they need to be. And then when we sent them to Jason, who mixed it, he also surprisingly was very much like, yeah, dynamics are so important. He, he was the one who was kind of like able to take each song and accentuate like the loud parts and the soft parts and mm -hmm. make it work. Um, so, so yeah, I think it definitely was planned though. You mentioned you're both classically trained musicians. What are you classically trained in? And how would you say that influences or impacts your ability to write songs guitar-based songs and stuff like that is it do you think about what you learned or do you even have to sometimes turn it off in some instances yeah i so i play the violin i initially started going to school at suny purchase um for violin performance and it was in the conservatory there so I was like full on like gonna do the whole classical violinist thing. And then quickly was like, uh, but I can't really be creative at all with this major. So, I mean, I, I could, it's not like anyone was stopping yeah. me, but just with the amount of time you have to spend practicing, you had to give up basically six hours every day just living in a practice room and i was like ah, i'm not about this so i still do play though but when it comes to writing songs i think for me it's more subconscious i definitely think it influences me um i think it influences a lot of my melody decisions um like vocally definitely influences your um I feel like your perfectionist attitude. Oh yeah, and and more and anything. more of a producer. Probably the producer side of me is more. It's kind of like oh, it needs to be like glued, like gelled, and everything has to have a purpose and speak when it needs to be heard. And I I um hopped into college on the stand up bass for uh, classical. I was okay at it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I really was just trying to like figure out what I could do in music because I really didn't know at the time when I was going to college, and um, I was playing in bands and stuff. But you, um, but you've been like you've always kind of been more of a bands kind of. Yeah, yeah. Like I wanted to know like what I could learn and how I can apply it to my own life, and I eventually meandered my way from music education to music. Uh, business and then into music composition it's kind of what i ended off on um and that i think had a huge influence on how i view putting sounds together and um textures and um stuff like that and uh, i was like classically trained in like writing fugues and stuff like that and i I, that, I think that was the most i've learned in school was learning how to write classical music i feel like you're more theoretical than me too though so i mean when we were first oh, starting yeah. to kind of write together like i'm really i got really into theory when i was in high school like jake would have more of like the i, I don't know how to explain you it you can't do a d sharp like you'd be like ali what are you doing like that sounds that's weird and i'm like no i like it like and and so but i think it was great because we both have very different like approaches so they kind of like fill the holes 
Yeah, and there's there's times when I'm full of shit, and there's times where Allie really shouldn't be playing a D sharp. <laughs> <laughs> I should always play a D sharp. So, as as far as the songs, are there like Jake songs and Allie songs, or do do you start? Someone brings an idea, and by the time it's a song, it's just so collaborative that it's just uh, Levada's song. There's like all of the above, honestly. I've, with this record too, like there's a lot of the, most of the songs we did write together, but lyrically, uh, usually we do it by ourselves. Lyrically, though. we kind of divide and conquer, actually. So at least we did for this past record. I don't know. We w- we tried a lot of the time to write lyrics together, and it would just not go well. That seems hard. That does seem hard to like co-write lyrics for this. It's a very same personal song. thing. It, it's hard to like. I think one thing that worked the best is like one of us will like do it and then show it and the other person would be like, I like this Like revise kind of and... Yeah. 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 I think that was the most... That was the quickest way to do it. It was. (laughs) With the least... We... Conflict. (laughs) We literally wrote the lyrics for Rager like like at least 50% of them minutes. No, 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 minutes before... Oh, oh yeah. We recorded the final vocals. So procrastination <laughs> and like that song had, had, it was like it's like one of the oldest songs so we really we really struggled with that we knew what we wanted it to be about for the longest time Those were the but hardest still ones. i think it was because the syllables are just like so we couldn't like because the way we both um we both sing melodies we sing like nonsense words when we're coming up with melodies so it's usually that first and then actual sensical words after we're slaves to the syllables (laughs) hey we all are man we all are (laughs) so without further ado let's play two songs from Levada's record that we've been yammering on about the album's called what happens after and you can get it via levada.bandcamp.com get it on vinyl we're gonna hear My personal favorite, Rager and Dream Sleep.
All right, we're back. We heard two awesome songs from Leveda's brand new album, What Happens After. We heard Rager and Dream Sleep. Everyone check out the record. Buy it on vinyl via levedamusic.bandcamp.com. It's also available on all streaming services. Now, transitioning to the second portion of the program where Jake and Allie pick some records from my record collection and we're going to play them for everyone. First up, Sparks by Beach House off of Depression Cherry. Are you guys big Beach House fans? Yeah. yeah. We, we did, we've, we've seen them. Yeah, we play. did. We've seen them play. Um, Great show. Sparks was actually a huge influence on L. Yeah. When we were like trying to figure out like what else should sound oh, I can, like. I can totally hear that, yeah. Um, and just like the drum machine sound. Uh, ours is definitely like a little more industrial sounding, I think, but we always like to do that. Beach House is just one of those bands where like, especially like the way that they do their vocals and the way their vocals sound like on top of everything, but still a part of the mix, like was a huge influence on us um, throughout the entire album, I think. Like especially like Dream Sleep. I think was another kind of beach house like pull that thing yeah i also just love like the the you know the the fuzz guitar lead the lead fuzz guitar that just comes right in mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. after the vocal samples and or whatever that i'm sh- i think it's vocal samples um that sound specifically just fuzz was a big part of our record and I don't know, like Beach House isn't per se like a fuzzy band really, but, and I don't even know if we're like a really fuzzy band, but, um, when they get fuzzy, it's I just love though. fuzz. Fuzz is like, it's my, it's my thing. Yeah. Also, she's love. such a good freaking vocalist yeah. too. Just such a, a cool voice. Great song. Yeah. Great song. Great song. I, I don't, I, I think you guys do something similar to them with doing a lot of fuzz but not having the vocals totally subsumed by it yeah yeah i think that was like what you know hearing a dream pop band that does that was really influential for us as well because like th- there is something like you know they're a duo so there is something that's a little like song about them i feel like but they're still like obviously a dream pop band but i don't know they just they 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 tickle my fancy <laughs> They're so good. Next, I like that you picked this band. This record came out last year. is really awesome. Shady Bug song, Make It Up, off of Lemon Lime. Great band from St. Louis. Did you guys uh, play with them at any shows or anything like that? How'd you come across them? We did. I knew it. <laughs> technically, knew second it. second show. Yeah, technically, second show. Yeah, our we, first show at a real venue. At a real venue, yeah. Um, yeah, we played with them, and yeah, oh my god, they're so, they are cool. so cool. Such nice people, and they rip. They rip. They are. They're so cohesive and just loud. They, loud, but like tight and like their their uh time time changes crazy i was just the whole time i was like oh my god like they they obviously are a touring band you know um you can tell the guitar player definitely has had a unique style that i've never really seen before just like the way they play and just like yank on the strings like Mm -hmm. i don't know it's just 
I've never seen a band like a touring band like that. So that definitely made the list for us. Seeing that, I was like, "Ooh, they have Shady Book." Yeah, gotta 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 pick it. That song specifically, I love how giant. Not not that it sounds like giant, but it's just so loud and it's so. You can even tell it's loud in the recording too. Yeah, it's awesome. Good job. I like blasting that one really loud. Me too. Love love a good loud song from Shady Bug. (laughs) After after Shady Bug, we've got Cellular by King Cruel off of his new album Man Alive. And I thought this was a cool pick for you guys because I felt this similar kind of darkness on that record lyrically when compared with your record. I'm not sure if that maybe that had a slight influence or if you were thinking that. I, I actually didn't hear the, the King Cruel album until after our album was finished, but it really did strike a chord with me, just like the dark vibe like i listened to it by myself through my yeah through like my studio speakers at home once and it just made me like really depressed and i loved it it was good yeah. it, it was just it's such a well thought out album i think it's my favorite album of the year so far the first time i listened to it i was like had my headphones in like my uh earbuds and i was falling asleep after like a really long shift and so i was like it was making me have these crazy dreams and i was like like kind of nightmarish but i was like i gotta keep listening to this it's so fucking good next nightcrawler by the ocs off of floating coffin there's a band that likes fuzz yeah but i'd say uses it in a you know similar but different way i'd say it's a little it's it's less slick like i i hear your it's like high pitched and more abrasive yeah yeah yeah. your your record is nice i like the ocs (laughs) but it's it's more like lava yes exactly um yeah i that album um well that song in particular we listened to a lot on tour um because our drummer is a huge fan of that band so when I just saw that, when, when me and Allie saw it, we were like, oh, Joe, Miss Joe. Yeah, we, we love Joe. We love her drummer. Joe, yeah. I love you, Joe, too. I like guys named Joe, just in yeah. general. He's a good He's kid. He's a great kid. He's- Especially Joes that can keep a beat, which I know Joe can. He just turned 21, so He's shout a man. Out. Shout out. Joe. Shout out. <laughs> Happy 21st. I'll buy you a beer. Yeah, Joe. I made I made a margarita for the first time we practiced, and he didn't ask me to do it, but I did it anyway. Like you need one. <laughs> you're you're a know. good bandmate and friend. <laughs> I'm getting Jake. way too specific. <laughs> That's good. We we live for these details, <laughs> all these juicy details. <laughs> and uh, next up, Kicker by Alex G off of Beach Music, the. One of his older records, not like his oldest, but it's a couple years old, and I like this one a yeah. lot. Kicker is is like the Alex G song for me. I mean, I like a lot of his songs, but that one was the one where I was like, 
I was just immediately like, wow, like what an amazing musician. Like, I don't know, just the song in itself. I feel like you could hear it stripped down or you could hear multiple versions and the song itself would just be, you know, just sitting up above the clouds. Like, it's just a great song. Those ninth chords. Um, um, that's, that was a big takeaway for me from that song. I only play ninth chords now after hearing that. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Love ninth chords. Yes. Not really sure what they are, but I love them. <laughs> yeah. Last but definitely not least, uh, Incinerate by the great Sonic Youth off of Rather Ripped. Great album that they put out in 2006. Some of their later period stuff gets overlooked, and it's really good, though. Yeah. Especially Rather Ripped. And Sonic yeah, Nurse. Great. And Incinerate's an amazing song. Yeah. I, I feel like when I'm if someone makes me pick a Sonic Youth song, like I'm like I don't wanna pick this one, but I just have to because it's so I feel like also it it's it's similar to our sound in some ways. At least for me, like it's a very childhood kind of like nostalgic song because like I grew up listening to Sonic Youth and the Pixies and um the cure and the sundays and stuff like that my parents are like big, pretty big uh indie music lovers so that song is um the pinnacle is yeah it's kind of like baby alley i don't know but it's always there yeah it's a it's a really great sounding song yeah all right well that's those are the songs you selected so we're gonna play them now Sparks by Beach House, Make It Up by Shady Bug, Cellular by King Cruel, Nightcrawler by The OCs, Kicker by Alex G, and Incinerate by Sonic Youth.
back. We heard Jake and Allie from Leveda's record selections. Great selections. We had a rousing conversation. Zach Romano here, too. It was so great to have Zach, my best bud. Thanks for having me. He wrote a great re- review of Leveda's new album. You can check it out at lookatmyrecords.com, and you can get the record at leveda.bandcamp.com. I'm a proud owner of a vinyl copy. It sounds really good on the turntable. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) It's a good thing to hear. (laughs) So we're coming to a close. Allie and Jake, it was so great having you guys on the podcast today. What, What are your plans for the rest of the year? I know things are very uncertain, but anything... You've got coming up live streams or anything like that? Well, we are getting ready to film a music video um, for our song Better Now, which we're super excited about with a near and dear friend to us by the name of Hudson Payer. Um, And he is a fabulous uh, director and he's insane. He's amazing. Um, So we're very excited to be working with him not sure when that's gonna be all finished and everything haven't started filming yet but we plan to do a couple videos since we won't be able to tour and we figured it would be a fun and productive use of use of our time so that that'll be cool we're just gonna keep on trying to record stuff and try to find jobs (laughs) (laughs) try to find new day jobs (laughs) No, um, maybe. No, that's off topic. But, but yeah, no, we're gonna- e- everyone should just buy the record. Leveda. Yes. <laughs> Please buy the record. Levedamusic.bandcamp.com. It's available on vinyl, the limited edition. So act fast. There's already a bunch of people that bought it, I could see on the Bandcamp page. And it's also on all streaming services. And let's play. One more song, Better Now, since you're about to create a video for it. Thanks for having us. Oh, of <laughs> course. Thank you, Allie and Jake, yeah, for taking the time right. to be on the show. And Zach was awesome, too. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Zach.